back to another episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's episode was really fun. Um, it is with my friend Devin. Um, we met three years ago going to AA meetings together in California. Um, we talk about the meetings a lot. We talk about the meeting we loved the most that we always hung out at. We would always see each other at. And, you know, it was a late night meeting and we became friends quick because when you're two people from Jersey and you're in California, you automatically have like a kinship and you're lifelong friends. So, you know, this is a, about a two hour episode and, you know, we talk the entire time. Um, a lot of it's war stories from back in the day and some of the dumb stuff we used to do. It's a sobriety talk and even, you know, dumb shit we do in sobriety. Because we're not perfect, you know, we're definitely not perfect. We talk about perfection, um, you know, a lot also in there too. There's a lot of stuff in there that we cover. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Um, that was a very fun episode to record and edit and, you know, we had a great time. We probably could have talked for another two hours easily. Um, but, you know, two hours for now. <laughs> So, hope you enjoy it. Um, make sure you hit like, you know, hit subscribe, follow, whatever, you know, platform you're on. Like, subscribe, follow, rate it. All that kind of helps a lot, like, with their algorithms and how they do it. They'll show it to more people and the more people that like and follow and all that. And I appreciate all the support so far. It's been amazing. And we're going to keep putting it out every episode, every week, a new episode as much as we can. And, yeah, enjoy this episode. This show. We did it. <laughs> we figured it. <laughs> Finally figured it out. And how much time do you have now? Because I think you had like four. Do you have like seven years? No, September 3rd, 2016. So in like a couple of weeks, I'll have five years. So I met you when you had two then, I guess, roughly. Because yeah. like that was yep. three years ago. Yeah. So, okay. I couldn't remember. You're coming up on five years. Mm-hmm. And you are recovering from opiates, I believe. Like, that was, like, your main, like, downfall? Mm, my main downfall was actually tequila. All Fun right. Well, fact. But all of them are in my story, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. I okay. mean, I'm sure you, I know you'll get there. I've heard part of your – when I heard your story, it was a few years ago, so – and I was hearing lots of story. I was going to, like, three or four meetings a day, so – Trying yeah. to take in as much shit as I could while I was out there, which totally. I'm glad because PA was is not it's so conservative AA. Like I they, even, I can't even imagine. Dude, they wouldn't even let me say pills in meetings. No. Yeah, it was one of those things where they're like, "Can you say alcohol?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna talk about how I drove two hours for alcohol because there was no alcohol close by, and the yeah. only alcohol like stop. I sound ridiculous if I'm gonna do that." Like, let me talk about my recovery. Look, check check it out. Bill's story. He talks about sedatives. He talks about morphine. Like, back up. Like, I yeah. fuck I want my, you know what I mean? You really want to play this game? Look in the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually just did an episode with this dude that has a podcast called An Atheist Reads the Big Book. <laughs> and um, so, like, he's got a crazy story. Like, I mean, a crazy story. It was one of my funnest episodes because, like, he was, like, such a story, you know? Yeah. And um, so, but he always gets into the arguments with people when, you know, the recovery and recovered. People are like, don't say recovered. It's, you're always in recovery. Oh, I well, say recovered. Yeah, his argument is like, then why is it in the book? Yeah. Okay. Because it's in the book is, like 17 times. 
this is about to be really good for me because I'm <laughs> people that also like look at the black and white like that's what yeah. it says like I'm not making this up it literally yep. says it in the fucking book and so I'm one of A the I'm, I'm one of the recovered people I'm one of the people that like yeah. my drink problem is solved right yeah. like it yep. says in the fucking book like yeah. that so I'm really glad we're here because some people don't agree no, I mean, and some, well, some people don't know how to agree because they don't even feel it, though. They're not confident enough in their recovery to yeah. say recovered. But to be fair, because that's what they were taught. They were taught yeah. that, you know, there is no such thing as being sure, that there is no, you know, they were taught that we needed to be in fear for the rest of our lives, that our alcoholic mind doesn't go away when that's not fucking true. It's not. That is it's, absolutely not fucking true. Like, yeah. what would be the point of going through the work if if I was just going to stay the same? Yeah, I'd be fucking miserable. I might as well keep using. Exactly. Like, I, I didn't get sober to be miserable in meetings and been like the grump in the corner that has something negative to say every day. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, mean, I didn't go through this work to like, live my life like being afraid to drink like that's yeah. not like that wasn't it you know like that's yeah, like, not I'm here yeah i want to have fun in my recovery like i want to enjoy life like you know I'm what i mean like human i'm yeah. a fuck, i'm a, just a normal human right now i'm out here yep. you know like that's yeah. the fucking point so yeah. yeah they weren't um i you know because i've always used cannabis in my recovery like i literally <laughs> when we met i was in a sober living called high sobriety yeah. where they taught you how to, like, change your relationship with marijuana. So, yeah. like, I don't even use cannabis to the point where, like, I'm, like, ripped, you know, you know I don't even smoke. Yeah. I, like, take little, like, doses of, like, a microdose with edibles Yeah. because, yeah. like, my brain doesn't function as well, and like, without it. Like, I just, it's my medicine. And, you know, oh, but I you. never, I never appear high because I never get high. Mm -hmm. I was just honest about it. And Kelly obviously was cool about it. My sponsor knew about it. I went through the steps with them. Awesome. Came mm -hmm. back here. They're like, yeah, you're not really like counting time, are you? I'm like, what? Like, I'm using my medicine as prescribed. You guys wouldn't even know that I'm even on it unless I wasn't so, like, forthcoming about it. Like, stop. Like, what do you mean? And they would have given me a one-year chip. So I stopped what? going. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude. So, and actually, ironically enough, at 13 months, I drank. And, and I did drink for like nine months, not alcoholically ever, like by the pool, you know, with dinner, yeah. stuff like that. I went to a comedy show and had a few like, but actually the first night I drank, I bought a six pack of twisted tea, you know, like an adult, mm -hmm. a manly man. <laughs> and I poured the first two out out of spite, like, ha ha, I can pour this out. Mm -hmm. And then I drank them. And then I woke up on leap day last year, 2020, and I was hungover and I was like, fuck this. I'm done again. Yeah. Like I said, to, I said to my wife and she always had problems with alcohol, too. And she's self-admitted alcoholic, but doesn't like AA. And so I was just like, I want to be done drinking again. Like, I want to quit this time. She's like, I'll quit with you. So I was like, awesome. So leap day is a yeah. great sober date for, yeah. <laughs> you know what That's I mean? Like, so good. I love so it. <laughs> it's coming up on 18 months, which is the longest I've gone now without drinking. And she's going without drinking. And, you know, I'm, I'll be 35 next month. So. You. Um, yeah. And then we started this meeting center because we didn't want to go to AA, mm -hmm. but we wanted to have meetings. So we just started all these mental health meetings. So we do like four or five a day. Good for you, dude. Good so, for you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you know, there's a dude that comes here every day now and it's just, he never liked meetings. He's been drinking since he was eight.
mm-hmm. and he's 31, and um, he's been using meth since he was 14, every day, uh, every day. Yeah. And so he has two months clean from meth and over a month clean from drinking. He even got a Vivitrol shot. He's getting his next one tomorrow. Like, he asked me to sponsor him. I'm like, I don't go to AA, but, like, you know, we'll go through the steps because I love the steps. Yeah. So I'm taking him through the steps with Russell Brand's book, Recovery. Have you seen that? I've never read it. Yeah, neither have I. I heard him speak, man, and... Yeah, when I, I got I got the book for Christmas, I think my first year, and like that was sober, and I hadn't read it yet, and I was like, oh, this is a perfect chance to go through the book with somebody. Yeah. So right. instead of going through the big book, we're gonna go through his version of the big book, which is cool. I so that's yeah, we're on step two. But anyway, so let's let's get into your story. When did you start? Was it drinking first? You're from Jersey, so it was probably drinking first. Of course, it was. Drinking. <laughs> Born and raised Jersey Shore. What the fuck? Yeah, you, think, you know. That's what I thought. Yeah, because I was right outside. Of, I was outside of Philly in Jersey, so we weren't that far away. Oh no, yeah, we weren't that far. Yeah, Jersey yeah. Shore. What's good? Born and raised. Um, I started what the first time I drank. I was ten years old. I blacked out and threw up, and my parents called me Sloppy Devo Monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> they thought it was hilarious. Like I never got in trouble for it. It was just like a thing that you do. Yeah. And like yeah. everybody blacked out. It wasn't just me. It was a rite of passage. That's what you did. Like, you didn't drink unless you were blacking the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, that was the goal. That was the point. That was the point. It's like, oh, I got drunk, but, like, I remember it. So, like, it wasn't that fun. Right? No, <laughs> like, who the fuck wants to get drunk and remember what the fuck they did? Like, what's the <laughs> point? Do you know what I mean? I'm going to make a bunch of bad decisions I don't have to remember the next day. Thank you. Like Until text messages do. came out and you're like, oh, why did I say that shit? Bro, but last night is none of my fucking business. Like, don't, like, don't fucking, I don't need to know. Don't tell me. We don't need to talk about it. It never happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I started out drinking 10 years old. From there, it was like every weekend. And then from every weekend, it was like, you know, almost every day. And Basically, the only time I ever got in trouble for drinking, I watered down my dad's vodka, and he said if I ever did that shit again, he would shave my fucking head. And I was like, all right. Like, all right, dude. <laughs> like, you're in trouble for... <laughs> yes, for watering down his vodka. He was like, you yeah. ever fucking dilute my fucking alcohol again, I will kill you. I was like, all right, all right. You know, like, you're the right. second person who's told me that basically in a row now that I've interviewed where they're like, yeah, so I, my grandmom said to me, hey, if you're going to steal my liquor, can you please not put water fucking in it? Because, yeah. like, you're going to, you're, you're hurting me here. Well, like, if you don't think about it when you're a kid, but then, like, nah. when you get, you're older and you're like, damn, that was fucked up. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because they're thinking that they have this amount, and then they don't, and they make a drink with it, they don't get hammered, they're like, fuck this, like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, see, I had parents that were partiers, but not, like, partiers. Like, they knew how to throw a party, so oh. they always had liquor in the basement for when they had parties, but they weren't, like, drinkers. Oh so God. I never felt like I had to, like, do a repour because I felt like I would get more caught that way, mm-hmm. as opposed to them going, I don't remember the last time I drank it. I don't know where it was at last. And then, you know, that was my mindset with it. And I never got caught. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, obviously it worked. So, the, <laughs> plus, I didn't want to go back to drinking. We, I started out watching The Outsiders drinking every Saturday with my buddy. We wanted to be a greaser. Yeah. So, like, we would that steal is, Captain yeah. and make Captain and Coke. And we watch The Outsiders. 
I have that book on my bookshelf. That book is fucking soda pop, dude. That's yep. my boy. That's yeah. my boy. I yeah. had my blonde hair then too. Like I was dying my shit blonde in fifth, sixth grade, like stunning and shit, you know, like. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, like my parents, right? Like, like they're partiers. Like I don't call them alcoholics because they don't identify as alcoholics. But yeah, like, exactly. Just like two weeks ago, like my dad, he like decided that he wasn't going to drink and he had like this gnarly seizure. He got rushed to the hospital and they were like, man, like, you know, what happened? And basically he was like, I didn't drink enough. And he was like, so I'm never doing that again. You know what I mean? So like, but like, he's like, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just a drunk. Like there's a difference, you know? And I'm like, you know what? Do your thing, man. Like, hey, if you're, you know what? If your life's not unmanageable, then yeah, you are just a drunk. You know what? Do your fucking thing. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I don't know. Maybe the seizure is trying to tell you something. Maybe not. I don't know. Did, did you ever see, do you watch Always Sunny? at all yeah, okay remember the episode when they thought they all had the flu when they were quarantined and in the bathroom but it turns out they were all yeah. just withdrawing from alcohol all week yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the same shit they're like what's more and, and i've gone to the hospital with the first time i got withdrawals i went to the hospital because i didn't know what was wrong with me you know what happened <laughs> i didn't know what was wrong you know what i mean and i still i didn't find out what was wrong until a year later oh you know what i mean so like i oh. i like I went on a bender. This is before I started getting high. You know what I mean? Like I was on vacation. I went on a binge yeah. and I came back and then like, I was like, man, my stomach is like, I feel like I had the flu and like, I went home from work and everything. I got, went to the urgent care to get checked and everything. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, you know, you don't have a fever. You just, you look a little ill. Maybe you just need some rest. You come back from vacation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, probably. And then like three months later, I got into doing pills every day. That's when I'm like, I had my like moment of clarity. I'm like, I want this all the time. Oh, and yeah. then like three months later, I had my first withdrawal because I've been doing it every day for like three months. Yeah. And then I had my first day where I was broken, like scrambling. I'm like, oh man. Oh, fuck. Oh, this is what that is. That's what that uh, was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like in train spotting, you're like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Yeah. This that feeling that I have yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. Oh, of course you movies. know train spotting. That makes me so happy that you know. So my the my the opening to all my um episodes is actually the um the score to Requiem for a Dream. Oh really? With oh. the violins and shit, like oh I take a, I take a clip of that and I put it as like the opening like sequence like. You know what? I give a lot of props to that movie because I watched it when I was younger and I've so never real. put a needle in my arm. Yeah. I have never put a needle in my arm after watching Jared Leto. Yep. No, yep. absolutely not. I was like, nope, I have never yeah. put a needle in my arm. And I dedicate that strictly to that movie. 100%. That's, yeah, because that was such 100%. I just watched that again. Like my wife had never seen it. So, like, we sat down, like, two weeks ago and watched it, and, you know, she was mind-blown by how amazing it was. I'm like, yeah, I know. It, it's so fucking realistic. Like, Jared Leto, he was trying to get so far away from my so-called life, yeah. the MTV show he was doing back then. Yeah, totally. He, he hung out with addicts. Like, he was hanging out with them, like, in those fucking trap houses. Yeah, to, to learn. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Marlon Wayans was, too. You know what I mean? One of the, that Wayans brother that was in the movie with him. 
Yeah. And Jennifer Garner, like, as, like, the junkie girlfriend, the junkie love. Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly, yeah. The, the junkie love is so real of, like, so it doesn't matter. Like, you know, he left town, and she's like, I got to get mine. And she goes over to that. Like, it's so real. Have you ever seen Candy? Yeah. 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 So yep. that's, like, the whole junkie love thing, too. Candy. Yeah. Perfect. Candy. Um, oh. Drugstore Cowboy. Never seen Drug- it. Drugstore Cowboy is a black and white movie that Gus Van Zandt did in the late 80s. He's the same guy that did Go Bull Hunting. All right. Um, but in the okay. late 80s, uh, Matt Dillon, speaking of The Outsiders, Matt Dillon from The Outsiders. Yeah. Um, he, well, a lot of things. But he was like a junkie, and they would rob pharmacies in the 60s. They'd break into corner shop pharmacies and rob them, him and his girlfriend and their friend. And it's called Drugstore Cowboy. I've never and, seen Yeah, it's, yeah. That yeah, sounds it's pretty awesome. good. Yeah, but okay. So you're into drinking. No one's stopping you, and you when finally get in trouble. But it's because you're watering down fucking vodka. Yeah, pretty much. That was it. And then like you know, you go into high school. I went into <laughs> high school. You know what I mean? And like y'all get super hammered. And then you're like that little freshman. You're like fresh meat, right? And all the seniors want to fuck and like whatever, right? So then you start hanging out with all these seniors, and all the seniors have all the drugs. And there you go. And it was just like super easy, right? But I will say, like, I was like, you know, I would do like a little Coke here and like a little, you know, like I did some Xanax there. Like, you know, I tried, I messed around. And then it wasn't until like middle of freshman year, like my boyfriend at the time, like fucking killed himself. And then in that four years of high school, my all my friends jumped in front of trains. It was like eight kids that jumped in front of trains. And uh, and from there on, like, I was like, all right, where's the heroin? You know what I mean? I was like, let's like, I'm going to burn my life to the ground. You know, we're all dying pretty much like I kind of it sucks. But like all those deaths and all that shit, like I used it as an excuse to do what I already wanted to do. Does that make sense? Like I used all of that as an excuse to like just run with whatever the fuck I wanted to do. Just completely self-will, like, give me whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want, because you don't know what the fuck I've been through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's you're giving yourself permission to do exactly what you want to do anyway. Exactly. And no matter what anyone says, you're going to justify it in your own mind as, this is what I need to be doing, because yeah. I'm going to die tomorrow, probably by a yes. fucking train, yes. by my own hands, because life fucking sucks. Yeah, I was like, you know what, like, I'm just, you know, like, this is what I'm going to do. And when any adult asks me, like, what the fuck I'm doing, I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, what would you yeah, do if yeah. you were in my position, you know? Yeah. And so right. people left me alone. People got off my back, you know, but I, I realize now when looking back, I really did it. You know, I did it. I did it wrong. So what I did was everyone, all of my friends were doing blues, Roxy's, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was my downfall. Okay. okay. So this is where I fucked up. Well, kind of. I mean, I was also brilliant, right? So, like, all my friends were doing blues, and I was like, okay, that's cool, but, like, that shit's expensive. Where's the heroin, right? I wasn't addicted to blues yet. I started with heroin. So I but fucked you up. Skip. You, yeah, you I skipped skip. a step. I skipped a step, right? So I started with heroin, and I started selling it to all my friends because I was like, dude, it's cheaper. It's more effective. Like, you're going to thank me later. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they all, like, started dying. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> wait this is like the movies like I didn't know this actually happened you know what I mean yeah. and like people 
people started like shooting up and like being really gnarly. And I was like, oh no, like I fucked up, you know? But like, you guys have a problem, not me. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things. And then, you know, everyone started dying. I fled to New York. I was in New York for a little bit. You know, I worked in like the nightclub scene. I was doing all that, coke, ketamine, fucking smoking crack, you know, just doing what everybody else does. You know what I mean? <laughs> whatever's, there, whatever's there, whatever's put in front of you, you're gonna do it. Yeah, whatever's there, taking my Zanny bars, putting them in my beer, letting them fucking dissolve, then chugging the beer, like, you know, doing what everybody that, else does. That ensures that you black out for the night. Cause whenever exactly. you mix a Xanax with alcohol, you don't remember anything for the next well, eight hours. I mean, what do you want me to do? If I'm doing like five yeah. days of fucking Coke, how the fuck you want me to sleep? I got work in, I got work tomorrow. So what do I take five Zanny bars? I'm going to put it in my beer. It's going to dissolve. I'm going to chug it and then I'm going to pass out. Like that's brilliant. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's it's that's how we adult, right? That's, that's how that's how everybody does it, right? That's how you do it. <laughs> anyway, got in a lot of trouble uh in New York, started selling drugs for the wrong people, started doing all the drugs that I said that I was selling. Um and it obviously didn't go well. <laughs> and so ended up back in New Jersey. Uh long story short, you know, no, you can do the long story. You can throw in a story, okay. it's fine. You get back from Jersey. Let's throw in a story. We have plenty get, of time. I get back from Jersey, right? I smoked DMT, all right? And when I smoked DMT, I had still been doing heroin at the time. And <laughs> I smoked DMT, right? And these beings, I like to call them beings. They felt like friends. Some people call them aliens. Some people call them whatever the fuck they want. I call them beings. They're shadow, super shadow, shadow. These beings. shadow people, whatever the fuck you want to call them told me, <laughs> I sound so dumb when I say this shit, told me that I wasn't put on this earth to be doing the shit that I was doing. Okay? And so to me, that meant I had to stop doing heroin. Okay? That's what it meant to me. And so I cold turkey that day, stopped doing heroin. But <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do blues because technically blues isn't heroin <laughs> you literally did do this backwards yeah you and literally did this backwards i fucked up i fucked up anybody and else i talked to was gonna say blues and then i couldn't afford it anymore so i went to heroin yeah no i'm a fucking <laughs> idiot and so i went to blues and i was like all right let's fucking run it this is the best right and so then like i I started doing blues, started selling blues for people. And then I was justifying selling blues now because like now if I sell these people blues, like they won't get heroin. Like that's how I. At least it's not heroin. Now you're saying the opposite. Like yeah. at least it's not now heroin. Now I'm literally saying the opposite. Like now I'm saving their life. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so fucking stupid. But that's, that, sh that shit is real. That was my thought process. <laughs> um. Dude, I remember like being in the car the day that New York and New Jersey like combined their systems for like getting pills. The pharmacies, for, like, 2013. Yeah. Oh, it was I, 2013 yo, and it killed I me. Remember the day? Like I was sitting in. It the was car. summertime, right? Yes, bro. Sitting in the car, I was in. I was in New York at the time, and I remember I'm just waiting for my friends to get in the car. Right, we're all like fucking. Where it's bad. Like I'm shit. I'm like about to shit my brains out. Like I'm yeah, fucking yeah. shivering. I'm sweating, waiting for this dude to come in. The, he comes in. He's like, I can't get him. And I'm like, What the fuck do you mean? And he was like, Dude, they combined their computer system. Like the pharmacies. Like they know I just picked they up. They all talk like, now. Oh, 
Yeah. yeah. Like, they know I just picked up like a week ago in Jersey. And I was like, yo, no. Like, I remember that day. Like I said, yeah. I did this shit backwards and I fucked up. And so it was harder to get blues when I started doing blues. Yeah, I don't, that's when I was in my heyday, too, of doing blues in Jersey. But I was outside of Camden. And oh. so we were doctor shopping. We were going to, like, doctors in Cherry Hill and you know seeing them and then going to the pharmacies and then eventually walgreens would never fill anything yeah. if you brought a if you brought a prescription in for xanax or perks to walgreens they would tell you to leave they <laughs> would never even try cvs they would walmart didn't give a fuck they're like yeah we'll fill it like you know what i mean like walmart would keep filling it yeah. but yeah it was like 2013 it was like a year into me doctor shopping yeah. when i found out from my doctor like hey mm -hmm just a heads up which that guy ended up getting his building sees like two years later yeah. like yeah. i got a phone call from the receptionist and she's like hey um you better come down here and pick up your script because they just got arrested but you can come still pick it up and you don't have to pay for it but it's going to be your last script because we're out of business so yeah. i yeah i shot down there real fast and didn't have to pay i walked in grabbed my script and walked out that usually because it was like 150 a visit cash yeah. And they just wrote you a script for whatever you wanted and then you were on your way. And so I got I was getting 120 30s and 120 bars each month. And like fucking nothing. And then you use good RX, you know what I mean? Cuz I didn't have health insurance, so you use the good RX app yeah. to save yeah. money at Walmart on your on your scripts. And then some days you'd spend 8 hours just driving around pharmacies trying yeah. to find a pharmacy that had I my buddy and I were in Delaware. 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday in the hood in fucking Wilmington getting a script filled out of CVS down there just for 15s. We drove down there for Green Monsters. because <laughs> You didn't give a shit. He got a script for 15s and we couldn't fill them anywhere. We had to go down to Delaware at 10 o'clock at night. He's like, we were calling all around and Wilmington's like, yeah, we're not supposed to say it, but if you get down here in a half an hour, we can probably fill it. Wink, wink. God. So I was like, dude, we got to leave now. And like, luckily in South Jersey, you can get to Wilmington in a half hour. Yeah. So we shot right down there and got our script filled and we got nice and high that night. But yeah. I, like, so like, I never personally doctor shop, but all my friends. So this is the thing. When you don't do that, you start to make friends with some really interesting characters. You know what I mean? Because I need to go be friends with somebody that that can go to the doctor and pick up. So okay. we we would have been friends the opposite. Like yeah, no, totally. I would have been selling you my shit. Yeah. You know, because like yeah. I had people that my dudes were business dudes. Like they yeah. weren't like users. Yeah. They yeah. were straight all about sales and okay. selling and all that. You would have. So my whole thing was what I used to do with when I started doing blues is I used to sell them for people, right? Yep. Like middleman. So I was the middleman, right? But I always got taken care of being the middleman, right? And then Both when sides. I to other people, yeah. I would just up, I would just make it more expensive, you know. And I, and then also there was this one. Oh my god, oh my god, I feel so bad for this family. There was this mom. Oh god, rest. <laughs> feel really bad, but like her dude died, right? And so she like had all of his money, and she was like super depressed, and so she needed drugs, and so she. She just wanted somebody to get her drugs and do drugs with her. And like her kids were in my grade and like it was this whole. I've was, been like, there. I know, I, I've been there uh, with parents of people dude, where they're like, I'm uh, their dealer. Like, like. It's so yeah. bad. It was like, so bad. I started dating the one dude's daughter. Uh, you know what I mean? That yeah, I went to school yeah. with. Yeah. You know, I started selling mm -hmm. him pills as like a grown man. 
And then I start running his daughter that I hadn't seen since high school. Turns out she was doing them too. So yeah. I started selling them to her. Turns out she was escorting on Craigslist. So yeah. we were doing some junky love for uh, like a month where I was taking her to her dates and shit just so we could afford, you know what I mean? And then you do that thing like, yeah, like I'll give them to you for 25 a piece if you buy me one. Yep. If, yeah. not, it's, if not, it's going to be 30. <laughs> I was up. People were so desperate to find them. I'd be like, you have to buy me three. And they'd be like, all right. And I'm already up charging them. I get like fucking 12 yeah. blues just for me. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Done. Always. So, uh, unfortunately, no, that was not the end. The end kind of looked like me finding this dude. He, um, he like only smoked weed. And I was like, oh, look at this little project I have. You know what I mean? So I like took this dude totally hostage introduced him to pills he was totally fucking hooked like fucking immediately it was super easy super fucked up um and then you know we just did the junkie love thing and basically he crashed my car and i was like you know what like you suck so i called my homegirls. i got on a plane two days later and moved to california you know and i was like you know what i'm like 90 pounds i like look nasty you know what i mean i'm like not attractive and i'm like yeah. you know, but fuck this like I'm gonna stop doing pills I'm gonna I'm gonna live a different life you know so I moved to California to be a pot kingpin I was like you know what I'm gonna grow weed with my homegirls we're gonna take over one grow up at a time you know it's gonna be rad it's gonna be great and then I did that so then I uh moved to California I kicked blues cold turkey um I mean, I don't get me wrong. I did like a little Xanax here and there. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like. But pretty much cold turkey kicked. Uh, it was fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I started drinking, you know, and just like being a normal person. I was like, I, my problem was opiates. Like, I don't have a yeah. problem with anything else. And so, you know, I started doing a bunch of Coke, shitty fucking Coke. L.A. does not have good Coke. I don't give a shit what anybody says. This shit is disgusting uh i used to i did mad coke a lot of fucking xanax and i started drinking tequila and you know it wasn't it's so crazy man it wasn't the coke it wasn't the crack it wasn't the opiates it wasn't that you know it wasn't heroin it wasn't it was fucking tequila that got me on my knees like in more way than one you know what I mean? like it was bad <laughs> like it was not it was not good like it is never a good look and the was last it like one night with tequila or was it a long binge with tequila months. six months with tequila six months me me tequila xanax and coke but it Aww, was, that's it was cute. It was really cute. It was really great while it lasted. Uh, it looked like me hitchhiking every day. I didn't have a car. So, like, you know, you have to get around if you want to get high and you want to get fucked up. So, like, yeah. I would hitchhike. I'm, like, living in Studio City, like, basically the valley, hitchhiking in Hollywood. Like, I don't know how I'm alive, but, you know, here I am. Uh, it, it was fine. Everybody was super nice, you know. Uh <laughs> You just really gotta, you just gotta wait for some creep to beep at you while you're walking, and then you just flip your fucking thumb up, you just hop in real quick, it was great. Um, yeah, I got around, you know, it was like a free Uber, it was awesome. <laughs> and then, basically what it looks like, me, uh, my last drunk, or whatever, is, I was living in the W Hotel, in Hollywood, with- Fancy. 
with some dude, man, I cannot remember his name. Like, I'm an asshole. Like, I literally, I feel like it was, like, Bobby or something. But, like, also, that sounds super generic. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what his name is. I literally, I think his name was Bobby. Anyway, me and Bobby living in this W hotel, and it looks like me, like, drinking just a handle of tequila by myself with a knife in my hand. I'm, like, stabbing the walls for some reason. I, like slipped and like stabbed my hand by accident and then like just poured blood all over my body and like <laughs> this is the thing like I don't know if you know what snapchat is <laughs> very very well versed in snapchat <laughs> well I was really big in social media you know what I mean in snapchat and so then I proceeded to snapchat me pouring blood all over my body and you know like like it's social media, so like people watched it, like my parents, like my mom, you know yep. what I mean? Like followed me, you know? My yeah. roommates, my roommates that I had an apartment, they were like, Where the fuck have you been? And they'd just see me like pouring blood all over. Yep. At some hotel. Yep, at some hotel that they haven't seen me in like two fucking weeks. All of a sudden they see me on Snapchat and I'm just pouring blood all over myself. You know, people got concerned. Well, I you know what I mean? I'm astonished. You yeah, know. you know, which is, like, fair. I understand. Like, people got concerned, and they were like, okay, uh, you know, why don't you come back, come back home? And so I did, and basically they called my, uh, my friend that was out here. He's sober. He's still sober, and they called his older sister. She had 10 years of sobriety at the time. They're from my hometown in Jersey. They were living in L.A., and, uh, they called the older sister with 10 years of sobriety. She showed up at my door and, um, you know, she took me to the hospital because I was still bleeding everywhere. Uh, <laughs> they glued my, like, I had to glue my hand together and shit, whatever. But basically, you know, what it was at the time that I didn't realize it was like the power of one alcoholic speaking to another, right? And basically what she did is she convinced me you know, she was like, do you want to go to Malibu? And I was like, yeah, I want to go to Malibu. She was like, do you want to go like on vacation? And I was like, yeah, I want to go on vacation. And she was like, you know, there's this place you can go and there's guys with face tattoos on parole, like everywhere you go. And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go fuck around with some dudes with face tattoos on parole. Like, where do we go? Sign me up. You know, I didn't know she was talking about rehab. But she was talking about rehab, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But but she, you know, she spoke to me like no one had ever spoken to me before. Does that make sense? Like she yeah. related to me and she told me like, you know, whatever. And I was like, all right, dude, I'm down. Like, sign me up. I'll go on vacation. I'll try it out. I had no intention of staying sober. You know, you know, when like people are like, uh, I came you know, on my bottom or something, or like I came in desperate. People are like, I went, whatever. Like I did yeah. not, I did not go to rehab. I did not get sober out of desperation. Like I got sober out of straight fucking delusion. I mean, I fucking oh. got tricked too. That chick that drove me to rehab, she told me that you weren't allowed to admit to rehab. Only you could only admit to rehab if you weren't fucked up. That's what she told me. Like, that it had to be in my system, but I had to be sober when I got there. And I didn't know anything about rehab, yeah. right? Like, all I knew about rehab, that it was for, like, you know, your tolerance, to get your tolerance down. Because that's what all my homies did in Jersey. They went to Florida, you know, they would go kick it in Florida for a little bit, pick up some blues, bring them back, 
and they'd have tolerance down. And like, that's what I knew about rehab, right? So I was like, oh, okay, so I can't get fucked up before I go. That's how she convinced me to not drink the night before so I would still be down to go. You know what I mean? Yep. And speaking of Florida, they had some of the like biggest doctor shopping scandals like in the world. You, you know, you know, movie Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Okay. The person that Jonah Hill plays in that movie is based on somebody in real life. Yeah. Well, that dude in real life ended up starting a clinic in Florida that was a pill mill. Yeah. That that was the next scam that that guy got into in real life was a pill mill down in Florida during like you know the boom in the early 2000s down in Florida. You know, like I, think- I know a lot of people from Jersey. They would drive down pick up and they'd be back you know the next day good for him dude you know those were the days that was the time that was the time to be alive you know what i mean (laughs) now it's all just dispensaries everywhere yeah you know know, just dispensaries everywhere and legalized fashion pill mills man what the fuck this bullshit (laughs) i want my money back (laughs) (laughs) so when you when you get to rehab and you realize what was happening what like Look, I went to rehab and dude, I fucking look, unpopular opinion, I loved it. Yeah, I me too. Fucking okay. loved it, dude. It was so rad. Yo, my first I went to an AA meeting. My first AA meeting, dude. I fucking <laughs> dude, I walked in, right? And like I'm like in Malibu, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking it's like these like fucking hoity toity motherfuckers. And I'm like, yo, I don't want this shit, right? Yo, there was this old ass woman that was speaking. She looked like a motherfucking librarian, right? She looked like a goddamn grandma up there. And she probably was somebody's girl. Like, get your grandma. Like, who's yeah, Yeah. And she started talking about, she was like, yeah, you know, I used to hang out with these gangsters like Rabbit and Willow. And she was like, and then they shot me in the back of the head. And like, I'm like, and like people started laughing. Like I walked into a room of people that laughed at the wrong moment like I did. Yeah. Do you yep. know what I mean? Like I walked into a room of peep of a bunch of people that always laugh at the wrong time. It's, it's the irony is that I was doing stand-up comedy in addiction and I never really learned how to laugh until I got sober. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like a real laugh that came yeah. from your stomach. Not like a laugh that came from your head because you forced it because you're supposed to laugh out loud. Like a real fucking your stomach hurts from laughing laugh. And it's like at at like tragedy. Like I I was like one of those fucked up people that like I laugh when something really bad happens, you know, because I can relate. Like I laugh when like when someone says this really fucked up thing, I'm like, oh, damn, you know, and I start laughing. And like I walked into a bunch of fucking a bunch of people that did the same thing. And I was like, fuck, you know. And then I had people, you know, I, so, so my first 30 days of sobriety, um, I never identified as an alcoholic because I didn't believe that I was one, right? I told you, I came in the room super, super delusional. And so I used to stand up and say, Devin, hot mess, you know, cause like, it's just a phase for me. This is just yeah. a phase, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I walked into this meeting and I stood up this first AA meeting. I stood up Devin hot mess and all of these people came up to me. This dude gave me a card. This other lady gave me a book. This other dude gave me candy. This other guy gave me like a real bronze chip. And they kept telling me they were like, keep coming back. Right. And for me, who'd never been to an AA meeting, 
I didn't know that's something you say to newcomers. I just thought they really liked me. I was like, oh my God, like they really, really like me. Like they keep, they want me to keep coming back. So like, I'm going to keep coming back. Right. I didn't fucking know that was something that you say to all the newcomers or like you they said. They trick us, man. They trick us early. Yes, man. So I like, I'm like, this is tight. Like I want to keep doing this. Did your rehab, cause like they don't do this in PA I've learned, but did your rehab let you go outside the meetings too? Like, yeah. and yeah, so like in the rehabs here, they don't That's rehabs crazy. in Pennsylvania, everything is in house, and yeah, you're like in the building the entire time, they don't ever leave, and all that shit. So, like, they're like kind of astonished every time, I'm like, oh, really? Because, like, they tricked me into AA because, like, the only time I could leave my house was when we went to meetings. So, like, I That's looked forward, like, you know, like my, my rehab, it was in Culver City. And I, I got excited to go to meetings every day. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it means you get to get out of the house twice a day. We would yeah. go to the noon at Marina and then like an eight o'clock would be different every day, but we'd go out at night. And I think my first ever meeting that I like was a CA meeting over, over by where I used to live, over by Braddock, okay. that CA meeting in that church. That's okay. a very big meeting. Yeah. Um, I used to go to that. That was like my first meeting meeting, but like I, it took me two weeks, I think before, like I really got it before where I was like, Oh, like remember, um, I don't know if you know from Marina center late night, Nikolai. Fucking hell. Yeah. What do you yeah. mean? First so he, he was telling his story. I was like two weeks sober and I'm sitting in a meeting. He was speaking at an eight o'clock meeting Marina and he was telling my story. You know what I mean? Like, Everything he said, I was like, holy shit, like, that's me, that's me, like, we both went through pills together, and all that shit, and the drinking, and, like, we came from families where we didn't, like, ever really need for anything, so, like, it was easier, you know, so, like, he was telling my story, and then after that, like, we became friends, that's why whenever you saw me at Marina, I was sitting over by him, yeah. and I was sitting huh? by, uh, fucking Bob, you know, we call each other wrong names every time I saw him, um, what the fuck's his name, that old dude, that always sits over in a corner at late night, um, old black uh, dude. Oh, uh, uh, I'm fucking and Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, we've always called each other different names, like, and just on purpose. But yeah. that late night meeting, I got special permission to go to every night and break my curfew because I mean, they knew how much I loved it. That was my home group. Like yeah. that that meeting. Like later on, it kept. Was it me Thursdays so that you were secretary when I used to go? I think was it like it was like middle of the week. It was like I think you were a secretary. I don't know. One about of the, Girl, I was always there. Yeah. I was her secretary, but I was always That's what it was. There. Literally yeah. seven days a week for yeah. fucking months. I was yeah. there every fucking night. Cause like that meeting saved my fucking ass. Like I go I mean, going on, right? Like I it wasn't until I had like 30 days, right, where some woman came up to me and she was like uh she was like, when you, uh, what, what the fuck did she say? She said that shit from the big book. She was like, when you honestly want to, do you find that you cannot quit entirely? And I was like, yeah, I can't fucking quit entirely. When I'm not fucking drinking, I'm smoking. When I'm not smoking, yeah. I'm fucking doing Coke. When I'm not doing Coke, I'm doing Xanax. When I'm not doing Xanax, I'm fucking doing heroin. When I'm not doing heroin, I'm smoking crack. When I'm smoking crack, I'm fucking doing ketamine. When I'm not doing ketamine, I'm fucking drinking again. Like, I cannot... I cannot fucking stop. I can't quit entirely. I never have been able to, right? And then she said, when you start drinking, do you find that you have little control over the amount you take? 
And I said, yes, as soon as I start drinking, it's done. It's yeah, done. Off to the races. It's done. Like I can literally go in and be like, I'm going to have one shot or I'm going to have one drink. And then I black out and I don't know where the fuck I am. And I wake up and I'm in some random dude's fucking bed. And I'm like, damn, how the fuck I get in Brooklyn? You know what I mean? Like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, <laughs> just some random shit, you know? Like, yeah. I cannot control the amount I take. As soon as I put something in my body, I'm done. I have to keep going. I, I have I, to continue. We were addicted to the same thing, which is more, yes. like, more of whatever it was. Like, whatever the fuck it is. I don't yeah. fucking care. And I still am. You know what I mean? It's more of any what, anything that makes me happy, I want more of it. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm in great shape because I don't like food. You know what I like, oh, I fucking, I get it. It's still a problem, like, of more of excessiveness. What? So, luckily, my excessiveness now is more healthier shit, like podcasts and meetings. I mean, think about it, right? Like, it's like a human thing. Like, yeah. who the fuck? It's a human thing. What human doesn't want more shit? It's just other humans have, like, you know what I mean? Like, for me, what was the issue was that I was allergic to the thing that I was obsessed with. Yeah. I was allergic to the thing that I was obsessed with. You know, other people have plenty of obsessions. Other people have fucking loads of obsessions, but usually they're not fucking allergic to it, right? They're they're not out of control with it. Exactly. Yeah. They're not, I mean, or even if they were to be out of control, like I think of it this way, right? Like for the obsession, the great obsession, right? Of every alcoholic, I think of it as almost like OCD, you know, like somebody with OCD, like knocking on the table, like why the fuck? They're like, I don't know why I have to knock on this table, but I but have, I to, have to. It's like me drinking. I don't know why I have to fucking drink and use, but I have to drink and use. And yeah. I will do anything to drink and fucking use. Yeah. Right? It's the same obsession. Like people with OCD have that obsession. It's just with something else. How long did you know before you were an addict? When did you come to terms with being, were you like. And like, as soon as, as soon as that lady asked me those two questions. So even in active addiction, you didn't consider yourself an addict? No. No? No, I okay. said I can stop whenever I want to. I just don't want to. I I, um, I told myself a month in that I was an addict. A month, in, a month into my 10-year addiction. Totally. And my promise I made to myself was don't do heroin. You lose control. Mm. I, I I was like, you stick to, you stick to, we called them Johns, you know, South Jersey, okay. Philly. Yeah. We, yep. called, we called them Johns or Jays. And I was like, you stick to Johns and you'll be fine. You're in control of that, and you'll be okay. And and I never actually did heroin the entire time because yeah. I was so, you know, and I think that's why my it went on for 10 years yeah. is because I was so convinced that I was in control. Like, look, I have a job. Yeah. Look, I'm going to work. Look, I'm doing this. That was me. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had a job. What do you mean? I'm not a fucking heroin addict. I've never put a, a needle in my arm. Never did what you Yes. I'm not a fucking addict. I can hold a job. I have money. Like, I have a place to live. I've never been homeless. You <laughs> What's know what funny I mean? is I never got caught or arrested because of pills. It was always because of Xanax. What do you it mean? I'm not an Xanax. addict. I've never been arrested. I've never been put in jail. I've never gone. Dude, that was me. That was me. And so that's why I never thought that I had a problem. That's true. Yeah, I literally consequences other than withdrawal, which like everybody withdraws. You know, that was like yeah. my thing. I'm like, oh, every this is like a, just a life. It's common. Yeah, this is just a cold. Everybody's getting fucked up, and everybody, you know, like that was me. I didn't, I didn't have any actual consequences other than like 
physical consequences. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, I got arrested once after leaving my dealer's house. They watched me do a buy, and then they followed me into a school zone and then pulled me over in the school zone. And then they finally found when they were putting my cuffs on, I had them hit him in my sleeve. Yeah. And they found a baggie with 20 in there, which my dealer set me up because it was the only time he had never let me do pills right away. Usually I would go to get done a two hour drive to meet him. And I would say, can I do them off your counter? He would say, yeah, it's fine. And this was the only time he didn't let me do them uh-huh. off his counter. He told me, no, you had to go. Fucking yeah. scumbag. Don't worry. He's in jail right now. He's in jail right now for a while. So I'm not, you know, he, he got his. But either way, after I left the police station, I drove straight back to his house to buy more because I was withdrawn, and they took my 20 of them. And I knew that they weren't watching them anymore because I knew they were doing my paperwork. Yeah, yeah. And and I had to do a show that night. I had to be in Harrisburg by 7 o'clock for a comedy show. So I didn't have time to fuck around. So I went straight back to him because I knew he had them. I bought 10 more just so I can get good, you know, get even again. And then I drove right back to Harrisburg. And I was like, fuck it. I'll figure out the rest tomorrow. Like, you know, everything was always tomorrow's problem. Yeah. yeah. I'll figure that shit out tomorrow. Oh, I'm dead broken. I'll figure it out tomorrow. 100%. Like, you, and you always did. And, like, we can feel bad about shit we did. Like, you know, with the lupus lady. You know, we can feel, we can, we can feel bad about shit all day long. But what is that really going to change? Nothing. You know, it's not. You know what I mean? And. All we, and all I know is that, like, if I didn't do some of the shit I did in that moment, I would have died. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of things that I did that if I didn't do, I could have been dead or somebody else could have been hurt. Dude, survival. Survival yeah. fucking fitness, bro. What do you mean? Yeah. I did most of this shit out of straight fucking survival, right? Yeah. And, like, and you have to get morbid about it, even in sobriety, too, because when people are dying still around us that we used to get high with, mm-hmm. like, I... I got sober with my best friend. We grew up together. And then six months later, he relapsed and then died on his relapse because fentanyl. Because that's when fentanyl was just getting strong around 2018. And, you know, I had to think of that. Like, some people die so others can live. You know, because... Or else I'm going to drive myself fucking crazy crying over every single person that overdoses because I can't control anybody anymore. I mean, I never could. That's why... I think about it, right? Like, that's why I'm still here. Like, relapse is not a part of my story. You know, like, when I showed up at that spot in Malibu, September 3rd, 2016, that is my fucking still, that's still my sobriety day. I've never, this is my only time I've ever tried. My friends have relapsed, dude. My friends relapsed. They came back. Some of my friends, they never made it back because they fucking died. Yep. And, like, so for me, right, because of their story, because of their experience, I'm like, if I go out there, that's all that's out there for me. That's it. Yeah. It's their fucking jail, death, or like me just coming right back in where I am already. What's funny is you have the same um, birthday as my friend who I was just talking about. He he was he was actually born September third, eighty six. So okay. he he must he was turning thirty when you yeah. were getting sober. Yep. So uh-huh. now I'm easily gonna remember your sober date because yep. I'm easily gonna correlate it with Jesse. When yeah. I think of him on a third, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to hit up Devin for her, her birthday, too. Yeah, that's my shit, you know? I was really pissed, too, I remember. I was like, because I didn't, obviously, I didn't know anything about AA. Like, AA was for quitters. That was all I ever was taught, you know what I mean? So, like, uh-huh. I don't know. And so they kept saying, like, hold on to that sobriety day. And I was like, fuck. Like, if I knew this day was supposed to be so important, like, I would have picked a cooler day. You yeah, know? But that, that is, a, that's also a Bob's Burgers reference. I love Bob's Burgers. Do you watch Bob's Burgers at all? Not really, no. No? Okay, well, Linda and Bob's anniversary is September 3rd. 
because she always says, because nine is divisible by three. And he's like, that makes no sense, Linda. <laughs> it always cracks me up. Like, at least there's something about it. But, like, to me, right, I was like, fuck. Like, I would have picked, like, fucking, I don't know, some some cool fucking day. Like, I didn't know. You know, like, I didn't. Like, mine's leap day, 229. I get a birthday every four years. Like, that shit. Like, I would have picked that, bro. I would have picked, like, 1111 or some stupid <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, I would what the fuck? Like, I was pissed. Anyway, I just didn't know. But, yeah, it was after that chick asked me the two questions. That, you know, if I honestly want to, I uh, do I find that I cannot quit entirely? And once I start drinking, do I find that I have little control over the amount that I take? I answered both those questions, questions, and she said, well, you're probably alcoholic. And from that day on, I identified as an alcoholic. From that day on, it, took, it was so simple. It took me those two fucking questions in that moment and i was like fuck you know yeah, but that yeah. was it that was how simple it was for me it really was you know Did and she i end got... up sponsoring you no fuck that she told me go fuck yourself bro <laughs> you did ask her though yeah totally i asked her but you know what she's my wife so what's up really yeah now she is that yeah. is fucking hilarious <laughs> yep. Yep. when did you guys get married uh, I mean, she's my freedom wife. I don't. I got gotcha. you. No, yeah, that's fine. I don't include the government in my shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only reason I did, I got married back during quarantine, and yeah. it's because I was having surgery coming up, and she has MS now. So, like, the government needs to help us. We have yeah. like a, you know, like it's a little different. We can manipulate the oh. government being married oh. as opposed to not. So that's the only. Yeah. And actually. We got our wedding ring tattoos on my birthday two months before we got married, only because Jules was in town. Oh, like, really? I was, so this was last September, and it was the day before my birthday, and she hit me up, I'm, I'm Jules Muck, and yeah. she was like, hey, I'm in Harrisburg, um, you want to get a meeting with me? And I'm like, Jules, I left Harrisburg, like, I'm like an hour and a half into the mountains, like, you passed me, because she was heading to Indiana from New York on a tour. And okay. I was like, you, you passed me. I was like, I'm about an hour and a half backtracking. Like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And she was like, oh, shit. Well, what are you up to? I said, nothing. It was quarantine and my birthday tomorrow. We're kid-free, so we're just chilling. She was like, it's your birthday tomorrow? I said, yeah. She was like, all right, I'm heading right up. Send me your address. So yeah. her and Kyle and Dada, they, <laughs> they drove up yeah. for my birthday the next day. Yeah. And she gave um, my wife and I our wedding ring tattoos. And Love she it. gave me um, a Randy Marsh I love it. Smoking a joint. I was supposed to speak at Jules' house on Friday. About recovery. Yeah, but I fucking can't because, like, my sponsor's mom's dying and shit. So I got to stay in the area. I can't leave, man. I know. Oh, down in San Pedro? Or no, yep. are you in Malibu? No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't live in the west side anymore, man. I moved to Ventura County. That's where my wife's sister lives. Yeah, so I gotta stay. I gotta stay local for my sponsor, man. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because oh, that's. Oh, I was like so stoked! I was gonna see Jules, gonna see everybody, and I can't. I'm fucking mad. But. And I haven't met Dahlia yet. Their other puppy. Have you seen her? Nope. She I looks like that. she she's almost as big as Dada now, and they have a pig named Gus. Shut the fuck up, you man. And he's, fuck, no, go to Dada Muck's page on Instagram. The stories are amazing. And it's always um, Dahlia, the girl version of Dada, and Gus. And that's, like, her baby. And Shut the, the pig up. is always jumping all over her and cuddling together. And it's fucking adorable. And oh. hold on. Let me see if there's anything right now that. 
I fucking I her meetings like were something huge for me too. Like I loved hanging out in her front yard. I Look know. at the pig. Dude, shut the fuck up. That is Dada's sister, Dahlia. Dude, no fuck. Look at that. How adorable. <laughs> Follow Dada I, Muck for more. <laughs> I 100% am going to. Because all their stories are just pictures of just, like, fucking Gus. And, yeah, it's just been amazing. So. You know, I only followed her uh, Muck Rock. Yeah, it's under Dada Muck. Okay. All one word. Yeah. He was so afraid of our steps because we're, like, on a second floor apartment. And mm-hmm. Kyle had to carry him up the steps. Like, pick him up, like, under his arms and carry him up the steps. I used to love, I used to go there on Saturday nights. Every Saturday night, I would go to the CA meeting um, on, on, uh, uh, what was it? Sepulveda. And then I would hop in an Uber and then take that over to Venice. And I would be at Jules's for her meeting. And then I would walk from Venice all the way to the Marina Center. I would walk from Jules's to the Marina Center because I'd make it there by, like, 10 o'clock. By then, I would go to the liquor store across the street to buy cigarettes and a monster. And then I would hang outside Marine until late night started at 11. That was every Saturday. (laughs) I mean, I I fucking get it, dude. I mean, I... And at noon, I was at the comedy store every Saturday for their AA meeting there. So I had gotten kicked out of rehab. Uh, Wait, what? I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what? You just said that so you said that so matter of factly, like everyone gets kicked out of re- like you know you know the day when they kick you out, you know. <laughs> Bro, I got kicked Let's out start of- over. What I know what's fucked up is I got kicked out of sober living, not even for getting high. Like who do you know that gets kicked out of for sober living for like not getting high? Two people, and it's because they were fucking constantly. I was fucking staffed. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was right. So the first staff member, I was fucking quit his job, right? And they let me stay. They let me stay. They were like, all right, whatever. You know, I also had a like bomb insurance. You know, I had that Aetna. Yeah. They were getting, they were getting plenty of urine samples from you. Yeah. They were killing it. Yeah. And then I fucked a second staff member that then quit his job to be with me. And it was the second one that they were like, all right, dude, you're taking all of our staff. So we're going to need you to, because now we're short staff. We're going to need you to go. Like, we're going to need you to leave. So I got, like I said, I got kicked out of rehab like we all do. Yep. You know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what people don't know, and in your defense, if you've never been, like, straight out, like, the first 90 days are probably the horniest, like, that you, like, out of rehab because, like, and you're starting to feel shit again. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Like in in everyone else's defense, I was like six months sober. Like I should have not been doing that, but I was. <laughs> like I you know what? This is the thing, right? Is that like I was going to meetings, I was, you know, stoked on sobriety, but I wasn't doing the work, right? And so I'm a piece of shit. Like who I am as a human being to my core or who I was. You was were 23 a, years old. That's a piece of shit, bro. I was a fucking bad person. Like, I was not a good person. I'm telling you right now, who I was as a person was evil. I was 
fucking evil, right? Can I make you feel better about this lady, this girl that I just heard? This guy comes into all the mental health meetings. He's bipolar. He's got a lot of things. And he doesn't come for addiction. He's actually the opposite where I'm like, dude, go get medicated and I'll be able to tell. It's like when you tell an addict, come in here sober and I'll be able to tell you're sober without you telling me you're sober. (laughs) I'm saying the same to him, but the opposite. Like, come in here medicated. And I'll be able to tell you're medicated, dude. Like, yeah. I hooked up with the United Way so they can get them medications for free and shit. His his baby mom, they grew up since they were five together. He's 21. He is homeless right now because she asked him to live in the woods so she can get him back. She said, I'll let you come back to me in six months if you can live in the woods without me for six months. So what did he do? He popped a tent in the fucking woods for six months. She's like, I don't want you wearing shorts all summer long. You need to wear pants. And when you wear a shirt, wear it buttoned up all the way to your neck. Motherfucker walks around PA all day long in shorts and is still. Last night, I'm begging him. I'm like, take the fucking turtleneck off, bro. Don't listen to her. She's going to keep pushing and controlling. Every time you say, yes, ma'am, she's going to say, what else can I get this motherfucker to do? Like, I'm a very in your face kind of person when we're talking. But, like, they're 21 years old and they have a kid together and she's, like, pushing the envelope. Like, like you at 23, it's what can I get away with? What are they going to let me do? What are they going to let me say? Because, Bro, yeah. He get away with so much shit. It was, yeah. So I'm not even, like, I've done worse things sober without a program than fucked up, than high on drugs or alcohol. I'm not kidding. I have done more fucked up shit completely fucking sober without a fucking program than I have when I was high or drunk. Well, that's because you didn't hit your rock bottom yet. You didn't, I mean, your rock bottom is when you start actually working. In my opinion, like, I've talked about ad nauseum, you know, in other episodes, but like. 100%. No, I I could not. When you surrender, when you surrender to the program, that's when you're rock bottom. Yeah, man, that happened with me when I was nine months sober. I I hit rock bottom or hitting bottom, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I, I hit a place of absolute fucking nothingness. I hit a place where I felt fucking nothing i was a shell of a human fucking being completely goddamn sober i had an apartment i had a car i had a job i had friends like i had all this shit but i felt fucking nothing i felt fucking nothing and so i wanted to get high so i could feel something right the the irony Yeah, dude. And so instead of getting high, you know, I went to a meeting because people told me, you know, there was a few things that I listened to when I was going to meetings. And one of the few things that I listened to, one of the few things I listened to in groups was when you want to get high, go to a meeting. And so I went to a meeting. Right. And after that meeting, I still wanted to get high. And so what did I do? I went to another meeting. I love L.A. Yeah, man. After that meeting, I still wanted to get high. And so what did I do? I went home and I fucking prayed because somebody told me to fucking pray. So I tried praying. I still wanted to get high. The next day, I still wanted to get high. So I showed up at the alumni meeting for my rehab with my tail between my fucking legs, the one that kicked me out. I showed up and I said, I want to get high. What do I do? And that woman that asked me those two questions told me to get a sponsor. She pointed at this girl in the corner and said, go ask her to be your sponsor. And so I did. And from that day, I fucking started working the fucking deal, man. Yeah. From that, day, that girl's still my fucking sponsor, Marley, right now. That's you know, awesome. you know, I, from that day, what? That was like, I don't actually remember what day, but it took me 30 days. 
In 30 days, I was sponsoring other women. In 30 days, I had I had worked my 12 steps. In 30 days, I was able to carry the message to somebody else. That was how quick it was for me. You know, I just fucking did it because I didn't know what else to fucking do. We have a lot of similarities when it comes to when we want to do something, how fast we actually can turn it on. Yeah. Like, because I was sponsoring at four months sober. That's like, not- I, I, yeah. my first sponsee had four years sober. Yeah. And, and I had four months and he was like, hey, man, like we grew up together. He's like, I want to use cannabis in my recovery, but I'm afraid to do it alone. And my sponsor is not going to like, you know, be cool with it. Can we go through the steps this way? I can have somebody to talk to. And, you know, he was trying to get over his ex at the time. And there, you know, a lot of bad blood. And so yeah. we just did the steps with her name as alcohol. Yeah. You know, we replaced yeah. the word alcohol with her name and went through the steps. We, you know, and he's still. You know, three years later, he still hasn't touched dope and he still just, you know, uses cannabis in his recovery. He got a card. He's doing it right, you know, and he can feel good about it and he can enjoy his day and not feel like he's breaking his sobriety, you know, and which was good because that's what recovery should be about enjoying your life and being comfortable with what you're doing. Yeah. And when people have to feel uncomfortable because of how they're living their recovery, then you might as well get high again. You know, if you're made to feel uncomfortable like that. I mean, this is the thing, right? In in the 164 <sighs> pages of the big book, it says powerless one time. It says powerless one time in the 164 pages of the big book. And where it says powerless is in the first step of the 12 oh, yes, steps of yes. Alcoholics Anonymous. And the reason that it's only in the first step is because the whole point of going through those steps is to gain that power back just from something bigger than myself. I am just literally accessing a power greater than myself and that power flows into me. So new power flows in and gives me the ability to easily control my desire for alcohol. That's yep. what happens, right? Yep. I got my high power right behind me. That's Bill Murray as Jesus oh, right man. behind me. <laughs> yeah. But that I had, can happen, man. I, I had Jules paint that for me actually last year. I was well, like, hey, can you do a commission for me of um Bill Murray as Jesus with his hands out? Because like it. he's my higher power and I want something like that. She's like, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, like for me, right? Like higher power and all that shit, like that shit ebbs and flows, you know? Like what it looks like for me and how I define it has ebbed and flowed this whole time, you know? First it was you know, fucking DMT fucking aliens, whatever the fuck you want to call it, you know, first it was that. And then from there it went to, you know, energy. And then from energy, it went to something else. Like it's everything. God it was all of attraction for me for a little bit. It's everything for me. Yeah. You know, like creative intelligence, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like I call mine God because it's easier and I'm fucking lazy, but like that's, like, God is everything to me. I don't have a definition. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what it feels like. I, I know yeah. what it feels like, but I don't know what it what it tastes like. I don't know anything. I don't know what the fuck. Like, I don't care, right? Because it doesn't matter to me. I just had an ADD moment. Is that Sam Smith behind you? Hell yeah. I can see that from here. <laughs> I, I had a joke once um, that I used to tell on stage about how, like, I'm not a manly man. And, like, the reason I know that I'm not a manly man is because... I was, you know how like when you're driving on the highway and like a song comes on and you're like just cruising and you don't realize how fast you're going. Yeah. And I got pulled over and then the cop was like, you know, you were going 92 and it's 65. I was like, I, I don't, he goes, were you in a rush? I said, no, I'm honestly not in a rush. I apologize. I didn't really pay, you know, I'm not, I'm sorry. So he, you know, he gave me my, took my shit. He comes back. 
And I'm thinking, like, why the hell was I even speeding? Like, I didn't even remember. And then, like, he pulls away. And then, like, as soon as I turn my car back on, I hear, as I lay. And I'm like, son of a bitch, Sam Smith cost me $200. <laughs> now, this fellow guy. I was jamming out way too hard, and I was speeding to Sam Smith. Like, thank God I didn't fucking know the reason to tell that. Yeah, officer, I was jamming to Sam Smith, you know, um, you know, like we all do. <laughs> like every, like one would do, of course. Yes. Who not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was my least manliest man moment of my life was getting pulled over, jamming out to lay me down by yeah. myself. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, though. Like, at least, you know, you can admit it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm least... not a manly man. Yeah, I'm yes, not. And... My wife yeah. has the toolboxes, not me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, totally. we own that shit. You know what sucks about AA is that there's people in it. Because <laughs> it's not AA. It's the people in AA. Do yep, you know that's... what I mean? Yeah. It's not, like, AA has is loving and kind and tolerant and patient and understanding. And like, that's what AA is to me. Right. But the people of AA are imperfect. They are flawed, which all humans are right. Because we all suffer from the human condition, you know, all of us, every single one of us, all humans are sick. And that's why we all stop and look at car accidents. I don't care who the fuck you are. Yeah, you do. No, you everyone, every single, and then you, you're like, oh shit, what am I looking at? Oh, I can go now, and then you go. Yeah, all yeah. humans are fucking sick, right? Yeah. And so, but like, honestly, in my opinion, like, thank God, like, I'm so fucking lucky that I am flawed and I am imperfect because it leaves room for spirituality. If I was perfect, then I wouldn't need spirituality in my life, right? There would be no need yep. to rely on this higher power. Because of my imperfection, because of my flaws, because of me falling short, I get to rely on something bigger than me, right? It leaves room for this this spirituality, this God of my understanding, this higher power. You know, like yes. that's why I lean on it because I'm human. Yep, that was my first my first tattoo was progress, not perfection, out of rehab. That was like my first like rehab tattoo, and that's why when I was coming up with a name with this, I couldn't think of a name. And then I was like, oh, yeah, progress, not perfect. Like, I was looking at my arm. I was like, progress, not perfection. That works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. That's, that's with everything. Like, I'm, as long as I am giving it my all and my best, like, that's what fucking counts. That's yeah. what fucking, and sometimes what my best looks like is shit. And speaking sometimes of Marshall. It's shit. <laughs> Speaking of Marshall earlier, he blew me away early in sobriety because he saw my tattoo and he was like, that's, I barely had any at the time. And then he was like, progress and perfection. Do you know the definition of perfection? And and I was like, you know how Marshall is. He wants to always like drop something on you and walk away. And I was like, no, actually I don't like, and he was like, you know, you can be perfect. It's your perception of it. And as long as you're not comparing to somebody else, like you can form your own version of perfection. So perfection is actually whole. It means being complete. That's the definition of what perfection means, is being whole and completed, right? And so basically in the book, it says spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection, because right, there's yeah, no yeah. such thing as being, being spiritually whole, right? Because we are humans. We can only continue because spirituality is a journey. It's not a destination. 
So there will never be an ending until we probably die, right? Like that, and when you die is when you are technically whole and when you are technically completed. That's what- That makes sense. Right? And so actually, fun fact about perfection, Native Americans and shit back in the day when they used to make like art, like pottery and and rugs and whatever the fuck, they used to, uh, there's always, whenever you look at like an authentic uh, piece, there is always a- paint that's messed up or there's always a a thread out of place because they believed that perfection was evil because no nothing is perfect I right like that. yeah so they believed you know if something is perfect that it is evil because because the only thing that is perfect is outside do you know what i'm saying like nothing yeah, like like how trump thinks he's perfect so he's evil you know what i mean like whenever he talks about how like amazing he is you're like oh you're a piece of shit <laughs> yeah basically they do it so they're because they believe that like nothing can be perfect and if something is perfect then it is evil and it's not from this world it's like not supposed to be in this world i like that though i mean yeah. that's a definitely a good way of looking at it for sure yeah um yeah and, and i actually the the dude you you brought it up the painting like with painting and shit Mm-hmm. There was a guy that um, when he was in jail, he went to jail when he was 19 because he stabbed somebody in the throat twice when he was drunk. He, had heard, he heard he heard that guy was like was like inappropriate with girls. Mm-hmm. So he took it upon himself to take care of it and not actually look up the facts or find out information. He was drunk and disassociating on acid and shit, grabbed mm-hmm. a knife during a party and just in front of everybody, he stabbed him twice. He's like. I don't even remember it happening, bro. Like, I don't remember, you know, what happened. Like, I was so out of it. You know, I was washing blood off my hands. And someone's like, why are you, like, what are you doing? Like, and when the cops told me, I still didn't believe them that I did it. Did and he then it, he had to spend three months in jail while he waited to find out the guy died. Because the guy was on life support for three months. So he was either going to get, like, seven years or 25 to life. And for three months, he didn't know what was going to happen yet. He ended up pulling through so he got seven and a half years and so oh, when he, the dude didn't die yeah so he okay. he's there for seven years now and i'm like dude how did you fare though because you're like a 19 year old like skinny white kid you know what i mean like and he was like oh yeah you need to find something and turns out i didn't know it but i was a really good artist and so uh-huh. all these guys they yeah. would pay me commissary money to do portraits of them and of like their family like their moms and I would do these portraits and they would send them back to their mom or they would hang it up and shit like that. So everyone wanted his hands to be working. And then he accidentally got into coffee art. I'm I'm pulling up the video now of what it looks like. Like he literally got into coffee art where he would use instant coffee in his cell to actually paint legitimate like fucking giant things. Where is it? TikTok. That's where it is. I'm going outside to smoke a cigarette, by the way. <laughs> That's fine. I, w- I would be, too, if I wasn't. Uh... Yeah. Wait, here it is. There's so many tickets. Yeah, so can you see this? That's no. Just... What? It's not. It's a no. pot. Oh, it's you. That's you. Yeah, so in a second, he's going. there's going to be a thing that pops up. And it's all the shit that he did in... Look at that. Oh, my God. Shut up. You're lying. With coffee. <gasps> what? With instant coffee and paintbrushes. He was doing these in his cell. Like, where do you see the Jack Nicholson in a second? 
Oh my god. Look at that. There's no way. Yep, instant coffee and paintbrushes. Like seriously, like in his cell, like th- th- he was telling a story right there about how he got caught, like because he stole a blade from the art room to like be able to like he had to cut the paintbrushes in certain ways. Yep. And um, so the guard that usually was the guard was on vacation, so another guard was doing a different round that he didn't know about, and just all of a sudden walked in on him, and he had the blades out, and and the guard was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And then he saw the paintings and he was confused because of how amazing the paintings look. They're and phenomenal. yeah, he was like, what are you doing? He goes, so I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I use the blades to cut the paintbrush. And then, you know, I use instant. Co-. He goes, you made all that in your cell. He's like, yeah, he goes, just don't get, keep doing what you're doing, man. And just like, let him alone. So oh I was like, God. you were like Andy Dufresne in jail. Everyone le- wanted you to like do shit for him <laughs> and like paint and shit and everything. Like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I ran the art department for seven years, and then he got out of jail, and then he started drinking again. So he was 38, and when he tried killing himself at 38, because um, he was just like, either I'm going to kill myself or go to meetings, so I'm going to kill myself. And he put oh, a hose, as one does. <laughs> yeah, yep. So he put a hose in his, you know, exhaust and put it in the window, and then he's like, but I didn't take into account my car being a piece of shit. And an hour later, I woke up and just smelled of fumes and everything like that. And I realized my car battery died. And so I figured, well, I might as well go to a meeting because I don't want to go back to drinking. So (laughs) that was when he went back to AA and he's been sober since. And now he does that podcast and Atheist Reads a Big Book. (laughs) It's fucking wild. Yeah. with the whole killing, like, I am way too vain to kill myself. You know what I mean? I'm way too vain to fucking kill myself. I used to think that I was the fucking shit. So I was like, you know what? It's better for everyone else involved that I'm here. That I'm put yeah. up. When actually it was, like, the opposite. I probably should have just offed myself. You just reminded me of something, what you said. Uh, I'm in a lot of Facebook, like, recovery groups. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, like, I'm active in there and it's a way to, like, get my podcast out and all that. Yeah. Um, but also it's a way to be active in recovery just so people yeah. need help or something, whatever. And somebody was posting cause they're still in the thick of it. You know, that's the other thing. It's a good reminder all the time yeah. when you see people like in the opioids group and yeah. they're like, Hey, I'm having a problem right now with going to the bathroom. This is kind of gross. And it's some girl. She's like, I don't know what to do, but like, it won't come out, but I really have to go. And I don't think stool softener. I'm way past stool softeners. And this one girl like comments down, like way, way down the thread. She's like, Sorry to tell you this, girl, but, like, you're going to have to reach up there and pull it out. Yo, like, so and then, like, I was like, yes, finally. I don't, like, three years in the recovery, and I don't feel alone in that fucking disgusting, like, shit Yo. of the fucking shit we had to do. I am really grateful for my body because my body, just, like, I shit my brains out. Like, that was what my body did. Like, mad people I know, like, this one dude, he was in a movie theater. He was on a date, right? And he went to the bathroom. And he couldn't fucking shit because he hadn't shit and whatever. And he was like, I need to get this shit out of my fucking ass, right? He had to reach up there, pull the shit out of his ass, okay? Literally. He leaves the fucking bathroom. He was in there for hours. The movie theater fucking closed. And he got locked in the movie theater. And his date fucking left him. And he was locked in the movie theater until they had to open it up the next morning. I feel so much better. Swear to God, that happened to this fucking dude. That I met him... He went to the same rehab I did. Well, that's how Elvis died. Elvis was, he had a heart attack taking his shit because he was having perks, like opiate shits. 
Yeah. And he was all fucking backed up and, you know, like the rabid shits. Dude, I'm and, so I'm so yeah. blessed. Yeah, so you're like you're like my one friend. My one friend, he would do a line and go right into the bathroom and take a shit. Yes, I'm like, yeah. how did you? How do you just like when I do a perk? Like I, I'm prolonged for another day. Yeah, like no, what do you I, mean? Like, and he's like, I don't know, bro. Like as soon as I sniff anything, coke or a pill, like I have to shit right away. So wow. he never had that problem. He always would just shit it out right away every day anyway. And he only had restless legs when he quit. That's it uh-huh. because his stomach problems. Yo, I legit, I can't eat bananas to this day because when I was sick, bro, all I would eat was bananas because they told you that potassium helps your restless leg syndrome. It doesn't fucking help. And I cannot, like, even if I smell bananas, I have to leave because it makes me physically ill. Like, Gabba Gabba helped me. Like, when I was in rehab, Gabba Patton helped my restless legs. I refused Suboxone the entire time because I didn't want it to be comfortable. Yeah. I wanted it to kind of hurt because I didn't want to be okay with going back. But GABA I took for my restless legs and then that helped. But eventually I didn't want to be on that either because like then you have like GABA dick and shit. Like what's the point? Like I quit pills so that everything would work again. Like I don't want to be so there is a home remedy. Like you know how guys are gross like and they don't wash their legs? Yeah. You know like so <laughs> Um, I found out if you do actually wash your legs every day with soap, you have less chance for restless legs. So now I, I barely have them anymore. I used to have them even in sobriety, but I barely have them anymore. And I straight up attribute it to me actually washing my legs with soap nowadays. Like take take the extra 30 seconds now, you know, like a big boy. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, it's really only a positive because now you're fucking clean, like your body's clean, and now you don't have restless legs. Like, you fucking nailed it. <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Like, I didn't start cleaning my legs just for, like, cleanliness. It was like, it no, was no, like no. Restless legs? Yeah, I know. Why do yeah. you think I started dating chicks? I was like, you know what? <laughs> Dudes are nasty, bro. I'm going to start I'm gonna start fucking chicks. Let's see what happens. When I got sober, I listened to Sam Smith a lot because that's when that song um, Pray came out with yep. um, Logic. And um, then I got really into, like, AJR. They they play a lot of, like, upbeat, like, you know, songs about, like, mental health. And they had that song Sober Up that was on the radio a lot a few years ago that they did with the dude from Weezer. But and I, don't, I don't really listen to fucking music anymore. I just listen to podcasts and I come to hear, like, when did you go to Ventura? Uh, let's see. When did I move to Ventura? Well, I live in Camarillo, so I live in suburban paradise of Ventura County. So I moved to Ventura County like two years ago. Oh, okay. So that was like a year after I left, I guess. Yeah, like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I left a little over three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, here I am. You know, I, I made it out of, I got out of LA alive. You know, it's all that matters. My therapist told me early on, we were having problems with, with my step six when I was going through the steps. Yeah. I did not, I did not want to drop spitefulness and I did not want to drop manipulation. Totally. And I was like, I'm a salesman. I mean, this is what I was taught, right? I don't need to necessarily drop manipulation. I just need to change it into motivation. That's what she said. She was like, you can be manipulative if you're not self-serving. Yes. It needs to serve somebody else. Your manipulation needs to serve somebody else's benefit and not yours, and then you can use it. 
Somebody told me instead of manipulating you to do something for me, I'm going to motivate you to do something for yourself. Yeah, I just manipulated my sponsee the other day because he got the Vivitrol shot um, recently and he was big in meth. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want him to try to run the meth now again with getting the Vivitrol. So I was I I simply he was like, hey, you know, how was the Vivitrol and the cravings? Good, good. And hey, aren't they putting like fentanyl and meth nowadays around here? He's like, oh, yeah, fentanyl is everywhere in meth. I was like, oh, shit. So if you did meth again, you would get sick as shit because of the Vivitrol shot. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of it. And I let him. <laughs> I love it. So that's like, right. but spitefulness was like, I'm not, like, I like to be spiteful sometimes. And it is what it is. It makes me happy. You know what's crazy is that, like, with heroin sometimes, like, have you ever seen, <laughs> like, uh, when I used to work, um, operations at this treatment center i by the way i work at the treatment center that kicks me out fun fact i still work there i've worked there for four years That's after funny. i got my year of sobriety they hired me <laughs> just don't fuck any of the patients okay Devin? I, well, That's... fair i never went for patients i went for staff yeah so to be fair i don't fuck newcomers i fuck people above me so you know it's that level you're, of you're like 31st step instead of 13th step you gotta flip it <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't, I've never, I don't fuck with newcomers, but I do fuck staff members, right? But, no, after I, uh, after I worked with staffs and I started sponsoring a bunch of women, and, like, dude, I, like, they're, my life changed, right? I have that change in perception. I had a revolutionary fucking change in my life. I was not the same person, and, like, people saw that, and so they hired me, and, like, I'm still... I still work there. I'm like a valued fucking employee, you know? It's fucking ridiculous. I'm like an auditor, accountant. Like, I do all this fucking shit behind the scenes, whatever. They trust yeah. me. But, like, all of this, like, what the fuck? But, so, basic. but when I was working as a tech at the treatment center, I remember when I would see, like, some people would come in, like, like heroin addicts, dude, and some of them, like, would be 40. But, like, sometimes heroin preserves you. It does. Right? It preserves you. And then sometimes you see the people where, like, it preserved them until it didn't. Right? All of a sudden, they went from, like, looking yes. 40 to 60. Yes. yes. There's, like, a – it's, like, the weirdest thing. There's, like, this one day that it shifts. Right? Like, sometimes yep. people, you're like, damn, how do you look so young? And they're like, I've been doing heroin, you know? And then, like – if you see them though, like a few months down the road, like I remember this one dude, this one client came in, he was beautiful. He was beautiful. You know, he just had like the nicest skin, he no wrinkles, just looking good. He was like 38 years old, right? He came in like six months later, bro. Yo, saggy skin, wrinkles, just like one day, like something happened and it preserved him until it didn't preserve That's- him. And I, I fully, people say all the time, like, oh, how, like, cause I, you know, I do this and like, oh, how old are you? I'm like, I'll be 35 in September. They're yeah. like, you look in your late twenties. I'm like, opiates yeah. kept me young. Yeah. Like that, that's always yeah. my response is opiates yeah. kept me young. You know, yeah. all my twenties, I, my dad had gray hair at 26. I'm 35, still no gray hair. And it's because I had no cares in the world for a decade. I'm telling like, you right now, if anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast is on heroin and you still look young, stop soon. <laughs> stop soon and keep that there's keep an expiration that. date the milk yeah. is going bad get that, out there is an expiration date and that youth that you have will run out 
So if you are still on heroin, I'm not telling you to quit because you're going to die. I'm telling you to quit because you're going to look like shit soon. <laughs> it's like Obama first day in office, Obama last day in office. Yes. but <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Like, yeah. that's what's going to fucking happen to you, bro. I've seen it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. it. Dude, that shit is not fun. And like, like I said. <laughs> If do it until you know, but just stop before that happens. I'm so sorry to the people that happens to. Tonight's our first opiate coalition meeting here, where it's all opiate centric. Whether you're an addict in recovery, or whether you're an addict still in it, or whether you're a family or a friend to somebody, this yeah. way, because like we started doing the family groups on Mondays, and like, holy shit, you know how Al-Anon doesn't really want the addicts in there; they just want like the families and shit. Literally like, never gone to an Okay, meeting. well, Al-Anon, neither, neither have I. I've been told. You know, they, they mostly want the families there to talk. And so I did it differently where I have addicts come too because, you know, I had a lady in here last week, you know, and she was like, I don't understand why my 34-year-old can't stop, you know, shooting dope. Like, I don't know why. He's been doing it for 15 years, and he can't stop, and I just I can't get into his head to understand. And I was like, okay. Um, have you ever had like a toxic bad relationship with a guy when your family is like, hey, you got to leave him. You have to stop seeing him. You have to stop seeing him. He's ruining your life. And you're like, no, you don't get him. You don't know him when we're alone. You don't know how nice he is. I mean, what are all the things she's like? Yeah, like I know I've been in that relationship. I said, that's how it is with our favorite drug. It's a bad, toxic relationship that for years you're told you got to leave him. You got to leave her. You got to leave. And it's bad for you. It's bad. They're, they're not good. And you just ignore all the signs because of how good they make you feel. And yeah. she, you saw the light bulb go off. Like, she was yeah. like, oh, my God, for the first time, like, I understand. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, it says even in the book, like, men and women drink essentially because they like the effects produced by alcohol. Right? So, like, I like the effects produced. I like feeling drunk. I like yeah. feeling high. I love to feel all of those things. The only problem with that, right? is that I don't get to stay in like feeling really good because then I burn my life to the ground because I can't stop, right? But it's the same thing. Like I'm a woman that likes the effects produced by drugs and alcohol, but now like I'm a woman that likes the effects produced by the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like all of those effects that the, the positive effects that I used to get like from getting high, like I get those still, like I get high being sober. Like I have a lot of fun. I have confidence. I have respect. I have care, careless. Like I have zero fear. I have complete freedom, right? To me, freedom is, is no fear. And like, I get the same feelings without any negative, any negatives. To me, there is not one negative that has come in my life from working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I can't think of any for myself. I can't think of one negative thing. Having a fourth step every time I catch a resentment has been the best thing that I've ever had. Like, I didn't know, I didn't understand fourth and fifth until actually you do it. But now, like, I catch a resentment, like, even on the road, I'm like, uh, I'll call somebody. Like, first, I'm like, what was my part, obviously, and I'm getting to it. I'm, like, not even writing some of them down because they're little resentments that I just want to get past and accept and move on real quick. I find my part, call somebody, like, yeah, guess what just happened? And this podcast and my meeting center is, like, a grandiose way of talking about all my shit daily. Yeah. You know, and, like, our mental health check-ins, you go around the room. How was your day? You know, how was your feelings? Do you have anything pop up you want to talk about? You know, trauma, is it depression? Is it being an addict? Do you have any cravings? Like, we have so many different people that come into the mental health meetings that, like, 
you get a lot of different like opinions. It's like my favorite part of AA where we go around and talk and share and we're not like just reading every day. It's just sharing. Yeah. And I love that shit. Like for a hundred percent, it's my favorite thing to do. Like now I do it four times a day. Yeah. I can't get, I can't fucking get enough of that shit. I enjoy it. I love doing the podcast. Like this has been so fun catching up with you. Yeah. Like we never really talked in like, cause like, you know how it is when the meetings, like I would see you for 10 minutes over a cigarette outside Yep. And then you go, and then I would go back to my sober living, and I'd see you at a meeting maybe again, like maybe a couple times a week. Yep. And so, and it's been years, so I was like, I don't know if she'll remember me, because it's been like three years, but like. I don't remember you? What the fuck? Okay. Well, you I don't. I Look, this is the thing. I don't remember a lot of people. I remember faces, and I remember if you're from Jersey. Yep, the After Jersey. I, come on. like I, what? I, I added the Jersey tattoo as well as like. I put yeah. the little star for where I was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was, that's why I was like, yeah, she might remember me, but either way, like, it's worth a shot. Like, the one person I knew from LA, from Jersey, uh, remember, I don't know if you ever met him, Richie Rose? He oh, fucking overdosed. Yeah, I, I miss Richie. Yeah. Richie was like, this is so sad. Richie was my client for, uh, the entire time. Yeah, he was my client for years and he was my favorite client. I got him his last sponsor, you know, like that was. I was hard. Like, I, I could literally cry right now. Richie's my. Yeah. Like, Richie, actually, um, Richie's the reason that I got, like, I, I really got out of working in operations, like, too close with the clients because I, I couldn't do it anymore because that was yeah. my. That was that, heartbreak. I was like, I saw. Richie's my heart and soul, man. Like that. Richie was, was my Danny. Boy. Was Danny in there too? Um, Danny. Yeah, yeah, she. Yeah. She wasn't there. She had gone home before, so. Yeah, Danny, she was. That's how I found out was through yeah. her because we still talk, and she's doing my show soon too. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, she was like, you know, obviously we both, you know, we all because like we hung out all the time, like. You know, we would go to like the uh, what's in Dot Weiler's Beach and like have a fucking bonfire, or we go walk around the pier. Like, I remember one night it was all Jersey people and Danny. Yeah. <laughs> it was like all Jersey people and Danny, yeah. and we just like walked around Santa Monica. We hit like the meeting over with well, I think the Fourth Street Church or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. and then we would walk down to the pier, and then like you know, yeah. I mean, I definitely miss going out there and miss all those meetings because you know they were actually good meetings. Like. I, I they didn't even read the fucking portion of chapter five, you know, around here. And I'm like, it's my favorite thing to read uh, in chapter five. dude. That's how it works. How do you not read that? You know, every night at the midnight meeting, Marshall be like JD's going to read it. JD's <laughs> going to read it. <laughs> and I'd be sitting in the corner next to him, just like son of a bitch. Like, yeah. and I would start reading it out loud as I was walking up to the podium because I knew it by heart. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm already just like. JD and I'm an alcoholic, and I would just start, like, reading it off the top of my head as I was walking up. I would still be flipping through the binder, trying to, like, find it as I'm, like, still saying it out loud. Like, my sponsor at the time was Randall. Um, uh, Randall? I know Randall with his little dog. Yeah, and then Nikolai was basically, like, an unnamed sponsor for me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucking, him and uh, Rich, he was awesome, too. Like, I remember he told a story at late night that, like, fucking... Oh. Gee, I know who that is. I know yeah. who that fucking dude. That dude is a fucking phenomenal speaker. I never cried as hard as I did for when I heard him speak at a late night meeting. Like, it was the anniversary of my best friend's death, and I never had, like, an anniversary of, of anyone's death in sobriety. 
and I was like falling apart about it. And like I was sitting in that meeting at late night, and it was when I fell in love with late night meetings actually, and I was allowed to forever go after this meeting because I was falling apart all day long thinking about my friend's you know car accidents, death, and all that. Yeah. And do, going over it in my head the way that you do in new in sobriety. And, like, Richie talked that night about his best friend that was his Eskimo that brought him in that ended up relapsing and dying. And so by the end, you know how powerful he is. By the end of him speaking, I'm just bawling in the corner. Yeah. And I felt so relieved. Yeah. that I, You know what I mean? And then that next day I went to, like, my counselor and I was like, listen, you have to give me permission to go to late night every single night. Because that meeting is going to save my life because I went to bed. I had a horrible day. I wanted to get high all day long. And then I heard him speak and then I went home and I slept good. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can reset my day at 11 o'clock every night, I need that. And so now I do late night meetings here every Friday and Saturday night, 11 o'clock at night. No one really comes yet, but like I, I'm that, here. That meeting, like I said, when I got kicked out of rehab, man, like when I first got kicked out, I had nowhere to go. I was fucking homeless, you know? And so what did I do? Like, while I was homeless in sobriety for, like, a couple of days, I fucking went to that meeting. Yeah. I went to the Marina Center. That's what I did. And then my my sponsor at the time, this chick, she let me stay on her couch until I could pick my feet up, right? And every single night, every single fucking night, I went to that fucking meeting. Every night. Because, because this is the thing. When you don't know what to do and it's late at night. Yeah. You yeah. go, like, go to the meeting, you know, because it, it fills your time and, like, it makes you feel like you're going out. It and it was you- such a raw meeting. Like, it was so much fun. Yeah. Like, like, like the crosstalk was fun. Like, the sharing was fun. You always have, like, the meth head in the back yes. who is, like, still high in the bathroom yes. getting high. I've been there so many times where motherfuckers are getting high in the bathroom. Then they sit down on the floor in front of the podium to, like, hear more. Yeah. Share but- how high they are because they just got high in the bathroom. It was like, yeah, bro, we could smell the meth. We know what you were doing in the bathroom. (laughs) But, like, it it was, like, the rawness of the meeting that made it real. Yeah, all the people were so real. You know? like You weren't seeing all the rehab people. Yes, they were who they were, you know? And they fucking came there because they needed to be there. Yeah, I became good friends with um, Wiley. Remember Wiley? Of course I remember Wiley. Yeah, he used to always give me rides home and shit like that. Like, we talk about comedy and all, like, so... I got to get him on here, too. He said he's been busy as shit with his clothing company he started. The Biloxi or whatever. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still friends with everybody. Like, that's my recovery group. Like, you guys are all still my, like, recovery people. I don't talk to anybody out in fucking Hershey where I came back afterwards. That first four months was so instrumental for me that I still carry that shit with me three years later. It's like family. Yeah. It really is. Like, those kind of family, dude. Yeah, we used to, oh my god, Wiley and I used to go to that meeting on Sunday nights where it was the weirdest fucking group. Where the fuck is it? Over, um, uh, it was like in a weird fucking church. Fledgling? Over, yes. Fledgling, fledgling. society? Yeah. Yes, Sunday night fledgling, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was like, always like, what, why am I in this meeting? What, I don't, like, this is a weird fucking meeting. That's because that meeting, like, what that meeting is, is, like, for people with time. Yeah. Like, they didn't open that meeting for newcomers. They opened the meeting, technically, for people with time. But, like, newcomers, obviously, we all used to go. They're half a mile from Beit Yeshiva. So, like, they got everybody from that rehab walking down there. 
Yeah, but then like everyone's there and like they're all talking about shit that we're like, we don't know about this yet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm still fucking new. Like, what are you talking about? You know? That they only did the birthdays once a month. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would I would skip that night because it would just be singing happy birthday for fucking half an hour. Well, I know. Yeah. But that's but, fucking always packed, dude. That's always. I, I never up the chair. Oh my god, I hate, it was so like, fucking hot. Yes, dude. Every time I went, I was like sweating. I'd have to stand or something. I was like, I'm not fucking going here. Fuck that shit. There was, I mean, the only reason guys went, honestly, and there was a lot of like gorgeous girls that were going to that meeting too. Yeah. So let's be real. Like, you know, 13 step is a thing. Like, like, did you, did you see the documentary? What? There's a documentary about 13 step and it's all about like actual women that have been killed by people that had time in AA. Yep. Like one one girl actually wasn't killed. Um, an old timer took her under his wing, and then had him move in with her, and then was actually giving her money to get high every day while he stayed sober, so he could control her. And then eventually she got out of it. But like, you know, it's actually pretty wild. This dude's dead now, but one of the people, this dude I used to fuck was in AA, right? And that's like kind of how I also knew about what like AA was, and I also thought it was super fucked up when I like was getting high. Because yeah. this dude used to buy me heroin and used to watch me do heroin, but he was sober in AA and he used to just get high off me, like off watching me get yeah. high and then he used to fuck me. But like he used to just like give me money to get fucking high and he was like, he was a fucking dirtbag, you know? But like yep. obviously he was going to do it, but I mean, God yeah. rest his soul, he relapsed and died, but. Yep. Yeah, fentanyl is a bitch. I mean, what was it? Heroin used to kill like 10,000 people a year, roughly, mm-hmm. I think was the numbers. And that 10,000 was usually people on their relapse. You know, you do too big of a bag and you die or get out of jail. You do a big bag and you die. That's yeah. how you overdose from heroin back in the day. It, was, it wasn't easy to overdose from heroin when you were an addict back in the day. Yeah. And now since fentanyl, it's all better off. Like, just- I have been, I was towards the end of L.A. I was going to West Hollywood Recovery Center a lot. Yeah. Um, I really liked their meetings and I was going there and that was Demi Lovato's old home group. And I was in their meeting the day that she relapsed and like everyone was devastated. And then I found out like she relapsed and like almost died because of perk thirties that look like perk thirties, but they were fentanyl. Mac Miller a month later, he died from the fentanyl lace perk thirties. And that's when I was like four months sober from perk thirties. I'm like, well, I guess I can't do Roxy's anymore because I could You're fucking like, die I, at any point. Yeah, I guess I'm not doing that shit anymore. I mean, that's the thing, too, right? Like, is, like, I don't want to get high anymore, man. It's not. I got high two months ago. Get high. Nobody got me. high anymore. People just die now. So I got my gallbladder taken out two months ago, and I told them over and over, I'm in recovery. Please do not give me shit. And what are they? I wake up, and I... I knew it right away. I woke up and I said to my wife and the nurse, like, what am I on? I'm, I don't feel right. And the nurse is like, it's anesthesia, hon. You're fine. And I was like, no, 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 no. This isn't anesthesia. And then the doctor's like casually walking by. He was like, oh, yeah, I had to shoot him with fentanyl a couple of times. And once with the Laudix, he looked uncomfortable. I'm like, dude, do you know what's going to happen to me now? Like, this isn't going to be good. Like, I have four incisions in my stomach. I'm going to withdraw. He was like, no, you're not. You're going to be fine. You said you've been in recovery three years. You're going to be fine. And it's an outpatient surgery because it's gallbladder. As soon as I get into the parking lot, I start withdrawing. I was throwing up for 18 straight hours withdrawing. The high, that's what happens when I put opiates back in my system again. Is I immediately go into withdrawal. 
Yeah, but you got a freebie. I got a freebie (laughs) that I had to throw up with a pillow over my stomach for 18 hours so my incisions didn't open up. Dude, I I had this, like, super bad infection in my tooth, bro. And my face blew up and shit. It was, like, super bad. You should have posted pictures of that. You would have lost followers real fast. I did post pictures of it, bro. It's literally on my Instagram. Okay. (laughs) I got to go look. I'll I'll pull it up. I'll find it, and I'll have it pop up on the screen. Totally. You're, fuck you. I wonder if I actually, I wonder if I posted it on the story. I really hope I posted it on my story now, but I will send you the picture. No, stop. Yeah, you you can't be that embarrassed. You have enough confidence. I'll send you the picture, obviously. (laughs) okay Um, i can't just tell you about it and not show you right yeah but i got fucking dude they gave me like fucking norcos man that shit didn't do anything to me i never touched me bro i was so i was in so much fucking pain bro i was in so much pain and you have to take it by prescribed because if you don't take it by prescribed relapse right so i fucking and taking this shit by prescribed it says take like two every six hours two five milligram fucking norcos i was like bro are you fucking kidding me dude nothing it didn't do anything so i just sat there in fucking pain it would do something for like a half an hour it would work for like a half an hour and then i would have to wait five hours and 30 minutes until i could take the next one i was going to i was like i'm gonna kill myself i actually googled i was like how many people kill themselves a year from toothaches and it's like a lot (laughs) Um, and we'll end, we'll end it closer to this because I realized how much time we've got. Um, but and I got to do a meeting soon. But like Steve-O is the gnarliest person in sobriety because he's been sober now 13 years and he still does crazy stunts. A few yeah. years ago, he got all fucked up and he had to get 11 screws in his ankle. Well, uh, no. So well, no. they offered him everything under the sun. He's like Advil and Tylenol because I'm a sober dude. I can't do any of that shit. Oh. And that's all he took was Tylenol and Advil for 11 screws in his ankle because he did not trust his obsession of his mind because he knows once he gets a little bit of a taste, fucking done. I mean, look, man, I'm going to tell you, it was hard, but fuck that shit, bro. I would have killed myself. I would have killed myself if I didn't have that 30 minutes, bro. I talked to my like, sponsor. I had uh, I had this chick at the time. I gave her the bottle. And so every fucking six hours, she would then come to my house and give me one and then leave. And I'd be sitting there like, God damn it, I'm going to fucking kill myself. It's a good thing you did that, though, because obviously, yeah, like you probably like, well, I need it. Dude, I talked to my sponsor about it. Like I I did the deal. I did what people told me I had to do, you know, and I fucking I got through it. It was it's like it could have been a freebie, but like it wasn't a freebie because it didn't fucking work. I was they like, wanted to give me tramadol for my for my incisions. Yeah. And I, I laughed out loud. Like I LOL'd at them. I'm like, you want me to take tramadol? I'd taken 20 tramadol once before. It did nothing for me. I was like, Ativan and tramadol are a joke to me. Like right. I've taken like, you know, dozens of Ativan at once and just been like, uh, I guess I'll do more. Yeah. Like that. Was something you know. supposed to happen? Because I I don't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a joke. Um, thank you again for spending a couple hours chatting and catching yeah. up. Yeah. Awesome. Right. We probably could have another hour, but I got to like now go help people with opiates and I need a fucking cigarette so badly. Nailed so, it. And I, I can't smoke in my office. 
technically I have to work still. So let me. Yeah. Well, it is 10 after six here. So it is later in the day here. It is still your afternoon. I'm about to hit my evening meetings here. Um, I'll talk to you. Totally. All right. <laughs> All right I'll talk to you. I'll see you. All right. All right, bye. bye.